Welcome to the Future of Processes podcast. I'm Ben Merton, CEO of Unifies, and each week I'll be talking to people in manufacturing about what it really takes to bring products to life. So this is about building an organizational culture, leadership, product design, supply chain, change management, how to attract the best talent, and in particular, how we can create better, more human processes for the factories of tomorrow. So I'm joined today by Sarah Marokis, who runs continuous improvement at Flowrite Controls, which is based in Barron Center, Michigan, and manufactures and markets fluid control devices for lead-acid batteries, recreational fishing boats, laboratories, and medical uses. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thank you, Ben. I'm really excited to be here this morning. Great. Why don't you start off by telling me a little bit about your background and what motivated to get you into continuous improvement in the first place? Yeah. So I came up through process and manufacturing engineering. There was a point early in my career where I was almost a serial new employee, I would say. I jumped around a bit, was really looking for something that I was passionate about. And what I found is that I'm really passionate about problem solving and about helping people. So for me, I found my way into this role because it was really a logical progression of the parts of engineering I was most passionate about, stepping into that role a bit more full-time. I'm a very creative person. I was always that kid growing up that was doing arts and crafts, and I really love the -the out-of-the-box aspects of continuous improvement and how I can apply that sort of creative mindset to solving some of the problems that we face every day. Good stuff. And so tell me a little bit more about what you do at Flow right now. What do you currently work on? So I am the continuous improvement manager here at Flowrite Controls. Flowrite is a small, privately held company in Western Michigan with about 150 employees. We design, sell, and manufacture products primarily for the battery watering industry, but also for the marine industry. And more recently, we have some new hydroponic products. In my role, I manage our CI ideas, our continuous improvement ideas and pipeline, including implementing those ideas. And those roll really nicely into our Kaizen funnel. And I host various Kaizen events throughout the organization, typically about once a month. And really through those events, we look at the organization through a value stream lens, looking for anything and everything that we can improve to make day-to-day life better. So in a nutshell, I'd say my job is to have fun, to poke under some rocks and to ask those difficult questions that make us better every day. Great. It's important to have that. So it's interesting, you know, this is our eighth podcast that we will have done so far, unfortunately. We've had seven men. You are our first woman on the show. And I wanted to understand manufacturing and continuous improvement is obviously a very male-dominated world, unfortunately. And I wanted to understand a little bit more about what made you get into the field in the first place and how is it different from your perspective as a woman in manufacturing and continuous improvement? Yeah. So as I mentioned, I came up through engineering and it was something that I found myself into almost by luck, actually. I was a super creative kid. I was really good at math and science. And in high school, I was looking for a career where I could really make a living doing that. And of all things, I read an article in Seventeen magazine about women in STEM. And it really pitched this idea of engineering as a place where you could solve problems, explore things you're passionate about. And what really spoke to me was the sustainability aspect. Going into college, looking at it like, well, maybe I'll be an engineer. And going into it, I knew I'd be in the minority. And I really just didn't let that intimidate me. So from there, I spent a couple different years in various engineering roles. And it is a little bit different being a woman in this position. 
I feel like a lot of times with men, there's sort of this inherent referent authority that's bestowed upon them. Uh, as a woman, it's a little bit more unexpected. So it can be both positive and negative. Sometimes I feel like I've got a little be a little bit overly stern to get the things done that I want to get done. But at the same time, I've got a lot of freedom to be unexpected and take some of those out of the box approaches to do things that people don't anticipate. Can you give me some examples of where you might have found it's worked to your advantage being a woman in a situation that might involve solving a problem around continuous improvement? One of the most uh, probably ready examples that comes to mind is when we talk about repetitive motion injuries and ergonomics. Here at Flowrite, we still do have a number of manual assemblies that people are doing by hand. And we live in a world in which many of the processes and products around us have historically been designed by men. So they're not necessarily the easiest to put together. And doing something once is one thing, but when you're doing it all day, every day, particularly not a big person, I've only got so much to work with here. So sometimes I got to put in a little bit of elbow grease. And for me, understanding that and how these impact us every day has really made a, a big difference. There's a number of different continuous improvement ideas and fixtures I've put in place throughout my role, both as continuous improvement manager and before that engineering. Things as simple as tables that go up and down so that you can adjust ergonomic height, putting a press in place to snap together fixtures so that you don't have to do it by hand all day, things of that nature. Yeah, interesting. You're right. I mean, I've spent a lot of my time on a factory shop floor. And of course, everywhere in the world, it does tend to be dominated by men. But it never obviously occurred to me that that would be one of the problems that you see, <laughs> you would imagine. And I appreciate you bringing that awareness to me. So you mentioned about a Kaizen funnel. And I think what would be really interesting to understand a bit more of is what exactly is a Kaizen funnel as far as you're concerned? And how did you build it at Flowrite? Yeah. So I will admit we're not a tier one automotive manufacturer. We don't have the rigors that maybe one of those uh, manufacturers might have with regards to a Kaizen funnel. For us, it's really a visual representation of all of the different Kaizen project ideas we've generated as a company. And it'll show the different phases those ideas in. For example, is this something that someone suggested that's on the radar? Is this idea on deck for an upcoming Kaizen? Are we currently focusing on this and implementing? Or how does it fit into that big picture? And these ideas really come from everywhere. Some of them are coming from our managers at our quarterly reviews. Some of them are coming from our supervisors that are out there on the floor. And some of them actually come from our associates that are out there on the floor building parts every day. One of the things I really love about Flowrite is we have a focus on innovation and on questioning and improving, which is actually one of our core values. And as part of that, each associate out on our floor is asked to submit at least one continuous improvement idea each year. And these ideas could be anything as simple as, gee, that rack is in a really inconvenient place. Can we move it six inches to the right so I can reach it more easily? to, oh my gosh, our truckers are standing outside in the sleet in the winter. Can we build them an awning? To let's renegotiate our natural gas contract to save ourselves thousands of dollars a year. So they really span the gamut. And some of those ideas are excellent fodder to become future Kaizens when we find a project big enough that it requires several people to come together for a few days to address. Right. It's interesting. And you've talked a lot about how working at Flowrite has been kind of impactful for you. 
can you talk about how Flowrite is currently impacting society and how this affects your current role? Yeah. So Flowrite, as I mentioned, is a smaller company, but they really have an impressive sustainability focus across their product portfolio. So we talk about the marine products, which help prevent the spread of invasive species between bodies of water, which here in Michigan we're all about. We talk about our battery watering products, which help prolong the life of lead acid batteries. And then at the end of the life of those batteries, they're actually fully recycled as an industry. It's one of the few industries that does that. And then recently, as I mentioned, we've broken into hydroponics products. We have new products out there that are meant to minimize resource usage and growing healthy plants. And it's really something that you see both across the products and then across the company as a whole. Flowrite also has an annual requirement that every employee spend at least one day doing a community service project, which are often hosted through work. And then, as I mentioned, also the continuous improvement idea suggestion. And those really mate very well with our core values of help first and to question and improve. How does it impact your specific KPIs or objectives? I understand from an organizational standpoint, you've got these great things that you're working on, but how does this translate down into what you do on a day-to-day basis? How does it impact your objectives as a continuous improvement head? Yeah. So as a continuous improvement manager, I am constantly going after the eight wastes. And I realize depending who you talk to, there's a different number of wastes. We here at Flowrate recognize eight. Possibly the most visible impact on that is scrap. Everything that we're doing out there on the floor, we are attempting to improve quality and reduce scrap. At the end of the day, that is less resources wasted, less energy wasted, less product in the landfill. And we're also doing that in other ways. When we look at other types of scrap, we talk about motion scrap or transportation scrap. If we can set up material flows that are logical and make sense. We're not wasting fuel moving those materials to and from different ends of our facility or to and from our suppliers. Right. And you manage this all in the funnel. So how many projects have you got currently in your Kaizen funnel at the moment? Yeah. So we typically host a Kaizen a month. In a given month, there's typically a Kaizen event that will be scheduled for that month. We typically have about two events in previous months that we've still got action items open for. And then we try to plan out two or three months in the future. So we'll have two hang-ons with action items being wrapped up, one in progress, and then two to three planned out in the future to attack. Right. And you do this visually. Do you have any examples of any of the things that you have or that you use for managing this? Right now, we're just using Excel sheets and SharePoint. And I guess scheduling through our Outlook calendar. So not particularly visual, not as visual as we would like. Do you keep anything on the shop floor at all in terms of any charts that help people understand this? Or do you just do this all from an Excel sheet and printouts? So we have some of the, you think of traditional continuous improvement and lean. We have some of the posters of like the eight ways, the five S's. We do have televisions throughout our facility with running slide decks. So the information on continuous improvement ideas received in the last month and implemented in the last month is displayed, as well as the report out information from our previous Kaizen's. And then as a company, we have both SharePoint and an app that we use called Ready App, where we post the recordings of the previous Kaizen report outs for associates, and we push them out through the app as well, so that if anybody's curious on you know, what we were up to this last week as we ran around and moved things all around in production, they'll have the opportunity to follow up on that. 
Now, coming to some of the processes that you've improved, what is the most painful process that you currently manage today? What's the one that gives you the most grief? So for me, it's communication and really just getting everyone organized and aligned around an idea, particularly working through, I mean, there's only so much you can do in Excel and Outlook. When we have the opportunity, we really like to try to include individuals from across the organization in our Kaizen teams. So on a given team, we might have a production supervisor, a few production associates from the plant floor. We may have a sales representative for the vertical. We may have a materials manager involved. We may have a trainer in our quality department involved. And particularly over the last year and a half, two years with COVID, many of these people primarily work remotely. So attempting to bring everyone together, get everyone the background information they need, and then get out on the plant floor, all while maintaining that social distancing that has become part of our lives, has been very chaotic. (laughs) Right. I bet. When it comes to the other tools that you use to manage some of these challenging processes, what are the gaps that you currently see with the tools that are available to you outside? Have you experimented with anything else? whether you see there being a role for software in any continuous improvement stuff or whether you feel like software is kind of redundant and there are better ways of doing things than having to use software, apart from, of course, the mandatory Excel sheets. One of the things we've really pushed for in the last six months, I'll say it's really amped up, is we're looking at a paperless solution for a lot of our training and work instructions, which coming out of these continuous improvement events, we talk standardized work, we talk work instructions, we generate a lot of this documentation. And from our perspective, we've seen tools out there that might be fantastic, but are not particularly accessible to an organization of our size. The solutions may exist, but for us, we're a bit limited in what we can really invest in something of that nature. So Unfortunately, we find ourselves falling back to SharePoint, to Excel, because those are the tools that we currently have to fill those gaps without um, a particularly high price tag. So for me, I would love to see something that is maybe a more modular solution or fills that need for an organization more our size. We use Epicor for inventory management, which, again, it meets our needs, but is a bit clunky in ways um, that we've customized it. Its ability to interface with other software packages is somewhat limited. It'd be really nice if there was a more holistic or modular solution at a price point that we could work with. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, as you say this, to what extent, it's very hard sometimes though, when people talk about systems like this to put any kind of value on that. This is something we definitely struggle with and I've struggled with over time because it's hard to value that. Like from a continuous improvement objective, what everyone's always trying to do is to put an ROI on every investment. How do you put an ROI on employee happiness at not having to click 400 times to create a (laughs) non-conformance? We actually did a Kaizen Two or three months ago, I want to say now, that was actually centered around how our supervisors close production jobs in Epicor. We had found with the different customizations we've built over time that our supervisors were having to look at five different screens just to close one job in Epicor. So we went through this event together as a team. And of course, the answer was we build a new customization that combines those five screens into one. The problem is... And while that works as kind of a Band-Aid solution, every time we implement one of those iterative customizations, we paint ourselves just a little further into the corner. And we know we're doing this. We appreciate it. 
So that's the struggle, right? That's the value. How do we find a solution in which we don't do that to ourselves? Yeah, it's so interesting. This is the same problem everywhere as well. And the real danger is when you hire a few developers. They've now got lots of great ideas. I know how troublesome that can be. It's like, it's better not to have any developers, I think sometimes, because, <laughs> because no ideas about customizations can then come up and you're kind of forced to go outside. But there are different costs and drivers to that, I guess. So, you know, what would you like the future of your continuous improvement processes and processes, obviously everything's connected to that in some way or another, but how would you like to see that be? Where do you think the future lies? So as a, a company, we really began our lean journey probably seven or eight years ago in earnest. And I'll say from what I've seen, I think we're still fairly early on in that journey. There's a lot to be done. So for me, I'd like to see us really build a grassroots culture of continuous improvement. We have a really great uh, trickle-down mentality from our management, and we're starting to get some traction at the associate level with these different programs, the continuous improvement idea program, you name it. But if you walk out there on the plant floor, the average person doesn't really live and breathe continuous improvement yet here. And I've worked in shops where that's true. So for me, over the next 10 years, I'd really like to see us truly build that culture and also expand the role of continuous improvement in the plant. It's something that, as you mentioned on paper, it's really difficult to justify the ROI. But once you get a few people in place that have the right mindset, you can really make those gains and you can see those savings. And it's in enthusiasm out there on the shop floor. It's in buy-in and really making people happier, make their jobs every day easier, but it's also visible in the bottom line as well. I think we're going to struggle uh, across manufacturing with the labor shortage in the next five years, 10 years, 20 years. I think it's only going to get worse. So with that in mind, we need to be much more efficient with how we're utilizing the labor we have. We need to be efficient in our communications. We need something better than I go to SharePoint, I go to my email, I go to my Teams, I go to my text messages, and I do all this every morning. We need to consolidate that and really make it easier for people. We also need to be more intentional with the automation we're bringing in. Another of the core concepts of Lean is this idea of automation, which is automation with a human touch. And we need to be much smarter and much more intentional with how we're implementing those projects. Flowrite has struggled with that a little bit in the past. I think almost every manufacturer has, where you bring in the latest and greatest machine and six months down the road, you realize that you missed something in design, didn't realize how your employees would interact with it. And it creates kind of this whole new waste stream. We need to be much better about that, about really doing our research up front and bringing in the correct solutions for the problems that we have. Right. So tell me your biggest success in terms of measurable outcomes from uh, a continuous improvement perspective. I gauge success a little bit differently. I mean, when we talk about continuous improvement, if you're doing it well, there's going to be a savings. There's going to be improved material flow. There's going to be all these great things, right? For me, I really like to gauge success by the buy-in that we experience from the associates in the area. When someone starts doing something on their own without being asked and then continues and sustains that, that to me is really how we evidence success. A couple months ago, we did a Kaizen in one of our production areas, and it was something that the entire team was just really excited about. We worked well together. 
it was a ton of fun. We actually did our report out in matching plaid flannels because a couple of us were Michigan Tech alumni. So we had to get that Uber spirit going to walk back to that process a week later, two weeks later, and see the employees in that area following the process, not because we told them to, but because it actually felt much better to follow the new process. That to me was a huge success. Yeah, that's always a huge win. If you can get people to buy into change at that level, it's just a phenomenal feeling. I know exactly what you mean. That's an example of a success. Tell me about your biggest failure. Where do you fail the most in achieving your continuous improvement goals? Very, very similar answer. So gauging our successes and failures by the reaction of the employees working in that area, I went through a Kaizen that was a little bit less rosy. It was done in the peak of the pandemic. So about a year and a half ago last summer, when everything was truly social distanced and it really just got off to a rough start. We had to move our Kaizen activities into a conference room from the floor to maintain physical distancing. We had to space people out, work with only parts of the team at a time. We didn't have the ability to really go out there to the plant and like see things, get our hands dirty and experience the process in its natural environment. And then on top of all that, we're dealing with the stress of the pandemic and we also had some personality mismatches on the team. So it was something where we attempted to do a Kaizen for us is typically um, like a week-long event on site. We're dedicated working through the same thing all week. We attempted to do this over several weeks in a conference room under a lot of pressure. And eventually we got to where we wanted to go, but the buy-in really wasn't there when we came out of it. We really had to follow up with people and force them to follow the new process. And eventually, once we got to the point where people were following it, they conceded that, yeah, maybe this was okay. But going through it and having to really draw that out of people, to me, was a failure. Continuous improvement is something that people should believe in because it makes our lives better. It puts our cereal next to our cereal bowl in the morning so that we don't have to think about it. It's not something we should have to force on people. Yeah, it's true. When you do deal with difficult people, and there are always going to be difficult people and it's not necessarily the person to blame. What do you do to get them to come on side? Certainly some people at the end of the day, they just don't want to change and that's life. But if you go through it and really build a rapport with people and really factor in their ideas and suggestions, you've done a lot to set yourself up for success. Right. Segwaying into the next question of what it takes, do you think, to make a great leader in this? So you can deal with the, the problematic people, but from a leadership perspective, I think you've got continuous improvement leaders, but you've also got leadership within the organization that needs to buy into these objectives. What do you think you expect from them to help you achieve your goals? So there is a great quote from Nelson Mandela that I really love uh, regarding leadership. In essence, it is a leader is a shepherd. He stands behind the flock, letting the most nimble go out ahead, whereupon the others follow. And that's the idea of continuous improvement. You should not be leading the charge as a continuous improvement manager. You should be shepherding from the rear. You should allow people to go out and implement their own ideas, ask their own questions. And when these things work, when they start getting traction, everyone will get on board and follow along. To me, you really should not be at the head of continuous improvement as a continuous improvement manager. You should be a facilitator and a cheerleader. And you should really recognize successes and also failures to help 
move everyone forward. Of course, I couldn't agree more. Now we're coming to the end of the podcast and I have one final question for you. What advice would you give to aspiring female continuous improvement managers? What would you suggest to them about making headway into a career that's similar to the one that you've pursued? I would love to see more women in this field. I would say don't be intimidated. Go for it. The sky's the limit. But also don't feel that you need to fit the classical mold of what people expect. I mean, we all have this preconceived notion of maybe not necessarily continuous improvement managers, but we all have this preconceived notion of an engineer. And I've got the comment a lot of times that I don't look like an engineer because I don't like engineers don't look like me. They're not typically young women with blonde hair. And that's what you need to seize and go for. Right. You need to say, OK, that's the expectation. And I'm going to do things my own way. I'm going to break the mold. And there's a lot of value in that. And I think a lot of organizations are really seeing the impact that that diversity and that mindset can have on how they do business. Brilliant, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me today and talking about all these things. It's been fantastic. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And I'm looking forward to listening to your future female guests. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Future of Processes podcast. It's been fascinating to have Sarah Morogis on the show talking about women in continuous improvement and how a company like Flowrite builds, manages and communicates their Kaizen funnels. For more discussions and other perspectives on the future of processes, please visit futureofprocesses.com. Alternatively, if you'd like to talk to me directly, feel free to email me at ben at futureofprocesses.com. Finally, please also share this with anyone in your organization that you think might benefit from it. See you next week. <laughs>